Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama. Now your host, Timothy George. Welcome to today's Beeson Podcast. Today we have a three-way conversation. Two very good friends are here with me in the studio, and we're going to talk about a brand new publication hot off the press that they have been involved in bringing together. It's called the Worldview Study Bible. Now, my two guests are Dr. David Dockery, the president of Trinity International University, and Trevin Wax who has a very important job at LifeWay. Tell us what you do, Trevin. I am a director for Bible and Reference. So I oversee all the Bibles and commentaries and reference books that we publish at LifeWay. So you're in the publishing world. And, David, you're in the academic education. I've been in the academic education world for 35 years now, Timothy, and first as a faculty member, then dean and a provost, and uh, then a president at two institutions for the past 23 years. Now, we're recording this conversation on our convocation day, and David preached or spoke. Uh, you gave us a wonderful convocation address. Without recapitulating everything you said, we don't have that much time. Tell <laughs> us the gist of what you were trying to say. It was a call to the church to focus on uh, creating opportunities for people to find significance in community, to find a sense of belonging that in our fragmented culture there is a sense of individuality that has led to purposelessness and meaninglessness uh, that uh, and the church can address that particular issue by thinking wisely carefully biblically strategically about the importance of uh, community and I think it has much to say to our fragmented and polarized culture yeah, it was a wonderful, very substantive address, and you may hear it in the future on the Beeson podcast, on maybe our lecture series, I'm not sure, but it was a great talk. And now we want to talk about something else. The two of you have been intimately involved in bringing about the Worldview Study Bible. How did this new study Bible come about, and why in the world do we need another study <laughs> Bible? I mean, there's so many out there. Well, that was my first response as well when uh, I was approached almost six years ago. Uh, B&H uh, came to see me while I was still the president at Union University in Jackson, Tennessee, uh, recognizing that we had had significant opportunity at Union to help students learn to think Christianly about all aspects of life. And so they came to me asking me if I wanted to serve as editor for a new study Bible project. My first response was, why another study Bible? I have more on my shelf than we can use. But they said this one would be distinctive, and they wanted it to be a study Bible for high school and college students uh, to learn how to think Christianly. And so we talked about that some. The more we talked about it, the more we realized that what was guiding the entire uh, direction of the conversation was uh, a a, a desire to help people think in worldview categories. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I both had wonderful privilege of being close to Chuck Colson, and Mr. Colson had influenced our thinking related to uh, worldview thinking. So I proposed back to them, let's not have an age-specific study Bible, but let's build it around a theme around worldview uh, issues. So they took it back to the committee and talked about it and came back and said, yes, that's exactly what we want to do. Would you help us find the right 
authors, contributors, and we shaped and designed the entire project that wound up with about 130 contributors. And it took us almost five years to bring the project together. It was in pretty good shape moving forward, uh, but about two years ago, Trevin joined the project. And not only did he put icing on the cake, he gave it shape and helped us put some pieces together that were uh, missing. And the, the final result is a result of his very capable uh, editorial hand. So it's been six years in the making, but the last two years have been the, the really intense part once all the articles had been uh, submitted. And then we began to shape the Bible to what it Wonderful. Now, you all can't see us. You can only hear us now on the Beeson podcast. But if you were looking at us, you would see that Dr. Dockery and I have a little bit of mileage on us. <laughs> we're, we're in our 60s. Trevin Wax, on the other hand, looks like he's 13. He, ac- he actually has a 13 or 14 year old. I do, and people confuse us. So <laughs> A very youthful presence and certainly a different generation than Dr. Dockery and me. So, Trevin, uh, what's your perspective on this Bible? And while you're at it, tell us what a worldview is. That's an interesting word. Well, I, I came on board as the, the Bible publisher a couple of years ago, like Dr. Dockery said, and I was really excited to hear that this project was already in the works because I too have been influenced by uh, Chuck Colson, How Now Shall We Live? The book that he wrote with Nancy Piercy was really formative for me as a, as a uh, teenager and college student. And so when I had found out that this was going to, to take place, this was one of those ones, you know, when you're a Bible publisher, you're publishing lots of different kinds of Bibles, but there are a few that are close to your heart because they're close to your, your, your passion of, you know, what, what could, uh, this particular resource do for the church? And this was, this one was, was one of them. But uh, to answer the worldview question, I, I'd say the simplest way that people talk about what a worldview is, is it's, it's the lens through which you see the world with, through which the, you, um, interpret reality. So it's not simply an intellectual thing. It, it leads to a way of life. It's a vision of life that's intended to then lead to a particular way of life. So we, we act, uh, in accordance with the interpretation that we, that we have the way that we, we see things. And so people will talk about worldview lens or, you know, you have glasses. You're not looking at the glasses. You're looking through, uh, the glasses. And, and it, I, I think a, a well-rounded understanding of worldview will have that cognitive intellectual interpretation, but there, you'll also have uh, something there about the affections and mm. emotions mm. Uh, are involved. And then also moral judgments and mm-hmm. evaluation mm-hmm. is is part part of a worldview. And so uh, it's important for Christians, I think, to to see the world through a biblical lens and to have the, the grand narrative of Scripture climaxing, with, of course, with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, if we believe that's a climactic point of history and that that is what's most important, then that should shape the way that we uh, think about our world and then the way we live and act as well. Yeah. What would you say to a person, Trevin, who says, I don't have a worldview. Uh, why, why do you want to put one on me? Everybody has a worldview, whether they, whether they think they do or not. Um, the, the, it's kind of like the, um, hear similar things with um, people in different church traditions when they hear the word liturgy. You know, they a lot of people think, "Oh, I, I, we don't have a liturgy. We just have a worship service that 
is suspiciously very similar week after week. You know? <laughs> uh, worldview is similar. It's it's something that everyone has. Everyone is making decisions and seeing their 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 world and themselves in the world in a certain way without knowing. Some a lot of people don't know necessarily what is leading to the way that they think or or act in the world. Yeah. So. We all have a worldview. So you're not talking about, are you a Baptist, a Methodist, or Presbyterian? You're not talking about, are you a Calvinist, or Arminian? You're talking about something that, in a way, precedes all of these different ways of being a Christian in the world, how you see the world itself, how you see culture, how you see life. And this informs, then, as you're saying, your actions, your behavior, your moral uh, temperature. Now, is is the worldview only uh, derived from the Bible? Since we have the Bible, why do we need a worldview study Bible? We've got the Bible. Well, first and foremost, it is grounded in Scripture, in the gospel itself. And then it's a way of taking the teachings of the Bible and uh, providing a coherent way of uh, helping people think about life uh, so that it does connect uh, intellectual formation with character development, bringing uh, head, heart, hands together uh, into a holistic way of seeing life and living life. Mm-hmm. So the worldview thinking is connected to worldview living. Uh, but we, it, we believe that it is shaped not only by gospel, not only by scripture, but also by the best of the Christian intellectual uh, tradition. And you and I were involved in a multi-volume project. It was really your idea to bring this about uh, from Crossway Publishers, I think, uh, the Christian intellectual tradition. Reclaiming the Christian intellectual traditions, 15 volumes. They're all finally completed, and it's uh, been well done. But it shows how the Christian intellectual tradition uh, speaks to Christian thinking, to worldview formation, to all the academic disciplines, and to uh, doing biblical theology, systematic theology, and uh, work of church in all aspects of life. But, you know, the Christian intellectual tradition is rich. Mm-hmm. It's deep. They're great thinkers uh, throughout history, and some who themselves were very fine worldview thinkers, Justin Martyr, mm-hmm. Augustine. Clement of Alexandria. Mm. Um, and Clement of Alexandria, I think, is very significant. He's often kind of uh, put out there on the side as if he's one of the Alexandrians on the fringe. But he was really one of the first people to think about how does the Christian faith affect music, politics, mm-hmm. you know, art. life, art, life in the mm-hmm. public square. So he had this very holistic, coherent, full way of uh, thinking about life. And what was also important about Clement of Alexandria is that he was not a bishop. He was no. a lay person. Yeah. And so it's not just for ministers to think this way. It's for lay leaders. And one of the goals of this Bible is to put something in the hands of Sunday school teachers and lay leaders in the churches to help them take their kind of smorgasbordish worldview that they've collected here, there, and everywhere from television, media, something they've read, something they've heard, something they've picked up at church, something they picked up at work, they kind of put it all together, stirred, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. This is something that gives them a definite, uh, coherent way of thinking about life. And so the study notes are distinctive in that it's not just exposition of scripture, but it shows worldview applications. And then we have 125 or so articles interspersed uh, throughout the entire Bible, including one that talks about worldview Mm -hmm. and Christian intellectual tradition and how it has shaped what uh, some theologians 
I like to talk about, which what you, Timothy, like to often talk about, the, the pattern of Christian truth. Mm. It's a way of seeing all of life come together in this yeah. uh, coherent way. Now, I'm holding this in my hand now, the Worldview Study Bible, uh, and it's a beautiful production. I mean, it's very attractive. It's easy to read and understand. It's, I would say, user-friendly. Uh, now, how did you all come to put this particular volume together? There's a lot of work in this, a lot of moving parts. It's a lot of moving I'm parts. I'm looking right now, for example, at an article on film and Christian worldview. So you have a, a biblical view of crime and punishment. You're touching many areas of our common life together. But how did you come to do this book? <laughs> well, we spent a lot of time at first, almost a year uh, initially, thinking about what are the kind of issues that we want to address. What are some key issues in life, in the church, in culture, in the public square that uh, need a that Christians need help thinking about, trying to understand, trying to grasp, even understanding what the challenges mm-hmm. might be. Mm-hmm. And we recognized that many uh, Christians were very interested in these things but didn't have the time, the interest, maybe not the resources, to sit down and read a 250-page book on a particular matter. But if we could summarize it for them in 1,500 words or so, and then if they want to go further, we can point them to other Resources, but we tried to be very succinct and address these key issues across the board. Because, see, a, a Christian worldview is not just driven out of soteriology, not just the doctrine of salvation, but from cosmology and the doctrine of creation. So you recognize that God is the source of all that is and the source of all truth. So there's nothing really, to which the Christian faith does not speak. And so we've tried to address these kind of issues across the board. You know, you were even kind enough to ask me to contribute something to this volume. Uh, article, on the Holy article on the Holy Trinity. And is, you know, how to talk about the Trinity in a page and a half, I don't know, but I made, <laughs> made an effort at it. And I think that's an important part of Christian worldview thinking, to understand how these issues relate to what we used to call the body of divinity or right. the historic Christian faith, which is a part of that pattern of Christian truth that that we endorse. Now, um, you, you've done a wonderful job, I think, in giving us a, a volume that's attractive, readable, interested. You know who I think would be really interested in this in this Bible? It ought to be in the hands of every high school student, mm-hmm. every college student, every young person who is kind of moving out from, we hope, a shelter of love and encouragement in church and family into that world where different breezes are blowing. Mm-hmm. To have something like this as a resource, would be a great gift to them, I believe. Yeah, that was our dream. I mean, and originally, as, as you know, go back to your first question, that's uh, how, how the Bible was originally uh, thought about, as something that would address that age group. But we tried to make it more broad than that so that uh, it, it affects lay leaders and business leaders and people in the academy and people in the world of the arts and music as well. But you're right. If we could get this in the hands of high school and college students, we think it makes a great gift for people going away to college, great gift for people who are graduating from high school or graduating from college. You know, I, we have designed it with the hope that that's how it will be yeah. used. Now, it is a Bible. It's, it's a worldview study Bible, but it is a Bible. It has the text of Holy Scripture from Genesis through Revelation in it. And a particular translation, the Holman Christian Standard Bible translation. Trevin, 
Tell us about that translation. So this is, um, it's actually in the, the CSB, not the HCSB. So the HCSB is the, uh, is the, really the originating translation. It was commissioned in the 1990s. So the Christian Standard um, the Bible. The Christian Standard Bible. So Holman is the publisher. Yeah, We're yeah. still publishing it. But we, it's been through a significant revision the last, the last few years and, and saw something of a, of a relaunch in 2017. The beautiful thing about the HCSB, now the CSB, is the translation philosophy. They call it optimal equivalence, which is a, a, a fancy way of saying it's trying to hit the sweet spot in between a, wor- a more word-for-word translation and a more thought-for-thought translation. So in the you know in the translation theories, you've got the the, the more formal, and then you have uh, which are more word-for-word, more literal, and then you have the dynamic, which are thought-for-thought. And the the CSB translation team and the uh, the original translators back in the 1990s, and then the translation team, the translation committee that has given oversight to this significant revision, um, all of them agreed that we shouldn't have to make a choice in between those two kinds of philosophies, that it is possible to to have a text of scripture that is both accurate and readable, that is word for word and yet clear and accessible in contemporary English, and that is a good primary text for churches to use that it's it's literal so that a, a pastor can preach from it, do serious Bible study in it, and at the same time it is accessible and readable so that even children in a congregation are gonna uh, are going to understand the the text of scripture as they as they read. And so that's the that's the text that um uh is at the the uh, is the basis for this study Bible. I think I told you before we did this podcast that I, I've been reading this in my own devotions and Bible reading lately, and I like it. It's you know, and I I, I I've endorsed almost every translation. I have to confess my sins here. Uh, <laughs> I, I have a, I hardly found a translation I don't like somewhat, but this this really does what you said. It it gives a good fidelity to the meaning of the original language. In that way, it's a formal translation, more word for word, but not at the sacrifice of a fluidity and a spirit of thought and an ethos that anybody can take this up and immediately you're engaged by it. So right. It's a great translation. Now, Trevin, some thinkers like Jamie Smith, for example, who's been here on our campus and uh, we read his works, uh, ha- have argued that what we love, the habits that we practice are formative for Christians. Uh, by the way, he didn't admit that idea. It goes way back to St. Augustine and some That's of those exactly people you were right. talking about. But it gives it a good airing in his writings. Uh, you are what you love. So talk a little bit about how intellectually focused and shaping heart, mind, soul, uh, this worldview, Bible thinking, reading is. Well, I, I, I've... Listened and read a lot of Jamie Smith's critique of, of worldview. Um, and I think overall it's a helpful caveat, a helpful critique. Uh, discipleship is more than a worldview. And I think he's also, he's right that some elements, some versions of worldview thinking are just that. They're thinking. They're very focused on intellectual thought and they're leaving aside what I mentioned earlier, some of those more effective or those moral dimensions, uh, of, of worldview. So Smith would, would call it a, would use the terminology of a of a social imaginary because he's he's thinking about how our affections and morals are sustained and they're reinforced through habits that are 
are part of how we imagine ourselves in the world. So he's using that imagination aspect of that. So I listen to that critique and I think that's a, a helpful critique, but I, I choose to incorporate that into, uh, just a broader, I think more well-rounded understanding of what we mean when we say worldview without necessarily ditching that, that term, mm-hmm. uh, uh, altogether. Um, so I, I think, um, that beliefs and practices, they work in a, in a dialectic manner. So it, it may be, it may be simplistic. The kind of some of the old worldview ways of thinking would, would think almost of beliefs and practices as, you know, you have this foundation of knowledge. It's like a river and it's running into practice. So you've got to fix the source in the head and then everything else will, will flow. That's, that's a simplistic approach of, of thinking about worldview. That's kind of the trickle down way. If you just know all the right things, then you'll, you'll, you'll be on the right path. I think we know the human heart is more complicated and more complex than and, that. You know, the Bible teaches us that the mind has fallen as well as the will and the affections. Right. And, you know, we, we need redemption to be at work in us in every aspect. So you're, you're using worldview in a broader, I think, a more biblical sense. Yes, I think our practices and our habits do shape our, our thinking and do shape the way that we interpret the world. But the the way i'd like to if we can, if i can use an analogy the way that i'd like to mention it is that it's it's not like a river flowing it's more like ocean waves so mm. you know the ocean puts water on the shore that's kind of our practices but then the water that that returns is taken up into the sea you could say that's beliefs but then the next part of the wave is knowledge but it's encompassing both way, beliefs and practices so these things are working are working together and the the cognitive element remains very important I, I do think Smith's critique, though, is right. You don't, it's not cognitive at the expense mm. of habits and practices and understanding how, how those shape and form us. What we might call a holistic approach yes. that encompasses the entire person. Now, worldview is often used with reference to kind of hot button issues that we face in the culture today. We hear a lot about controversial issues. Say a little bit about that, David. Uh, what are some of the issues addressed in the study Bible, uh, that uh, concern us today that we we want Christians to be engaged in from this point of view Trevin has just described well we've tried to address uh, a host of issues based on trends that we see uh, sociologists tell us that there are major trends that are uh, shaping who we are and shaping our culture things like privatization pluralization secularization uh, all of these things coming together. And so we tried to ask, what are the implications of these trends and how do we address them? So we, first of all, took a, a bigger step back picture before we picked out particular uh, topics. Uh, so we, we think we have tried to address the big culture-shaping uh, issues in that way. So it does include everything from the arts and film and beauty and music, uh, to things like the environment and animal rights, uh, to uh, huge issues of pluralization today. So we have issues about world religions, Islam, uh, Hinduism, the big shaping, uh, the challenging, the challenge of world religions in our uh, world. So we've, we've addressed uh, the, those kind of uh, matters. And then, you know, hot button issues as well. Uh, abortion, uh, same-sex marriage, uh, how do we 
uh, deal with these things? How does the government uh, address matters when we know there's a distinction between government, family, church, and and scripture, and so government operates in a different category, even though it's ordained by God. So we've tried to talk about government, structures of government, influence, authority, how that comes about, church-state kind of issues, crime and punishment. So it's it's very broad in the way mm-hmm. we've attempted to uh, deal with it. But it was we went through it not just a catalog of issues at first, but trying to step back and say, what yeah. are the big cultural trends and how do we get at those? You mentioned Chuck Colson a few minutes ago who had a great influence on us and many, many other people. I remember Chuck saying many times that Culture is always upstream to politics and law. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And if we really want to deal with some of these issues in a, in a way that's transformative, that's where we have to begin and uh, not neglecting the other. It's, it's important that there be just laws, and but that we don't start or necessarily put all of our weight in that basket, but we start upstream right. dealing with the things that people believe and how they live their lives and shape their views. And uh, I think in a we live in a very polarized world, don't we? Right. Politically, religiously, I mean, it, it's a very difficult time to be a Christian, maybe to be a human being in right. our culture. And so, coming at these issues with a fresh uh, input from the Holy Scriptures, reading the Bible uh, in a way that speaks across the centuries into our own lives and the issues we face, can be a very uh, redeeming kind of thing, I mm-hmm. believe. And for that reason, I think what you've given us is something that's of great merit. Hmm. And I trust and pray will be widely used um, by our listeners and by others. You want to say a final word about the Bible? We're almost out of time, but we, we've given a good airing to this worldview study Bible that using the Christian Standard Bible text from Holman Publishers. Tell us one final word about it. Well, we've given a couple of uh, uh, copies uh, to be to give away to podcast listeners. I don't know the best oh way for for them to be able to do that. Kristen right. is here. Come over, Kristen, and tell us <laughs> what to do if if you want to get a free Bible. This is Kristen Padilla, the producer of the podcast. What, what what kind of hoops do you want people to jump through, Kristen? That's the question. We just want you to listen to this podcast and let us know that you listen, and then you'll be entered to win uh, one of these two Bibles. How do they let you know? On our social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Beeson Divinity. Okay. Yes. We, even, we even have an article on social media and technology. <laughs> that's, <laughs> right, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Looky there. So excellent. So you can actually win one of these. Um, not gambling anything of significance for it, but just by giving your <laughs> right. just, just by giving your name, as Kristen said. And David, what about you? A final word. Well, we're just grateful t- to God that He's given us the privilege to work on this project. We pray that it will be uh, used to serve the church and to uh, enable women and men to uh, think and live more faithfully uh, to serve the Lord uh, with a kingdom mindset and to develop ways to think about the Christian faith in ways that give them courage uh, to live with conviction each and every day. My guests today on the Beeson Podcast have been two good friends, Dr. David Dockery, Dr. Trevin Wax. They are the co-editors of the Worldview Study Bible from Holman Publishers. I recommend it highly. Thank you both for this conversation. Thank you. Thank you for the privilege, Timothy. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast with host Timothy George. 
You can subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at our website, BeesonDivinity.com. Beeson Divinity School is an interdenominational evangelical divinity school training men and women in the service of Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast will aid and encourage your work, and we hope you will listen to each upcoming edition of the Beeson Podcast.